Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. The beginning of the offseason is a beautiful thing where fantasy platforms have rolled over to a new league year, and we could all be optimistic about our team's futures, mostly because nobody has torn their ACL or Achilles in camp yet. But it's also the time of the year where those more active leagues get the trade offers flowing. So I've brought on one of the bright young minds of fantasy to help me navigate which IDPs we're buying and which ones we're selling. We're going to be naming one buy and one sell from every NFL team. And with this episode, we're starting things off in the NFC. So let's go. I'm excited to do some IDP buys and sells here or target avoid, hold fold, marry kill, however you want to frame it. We're going to be moving and shaking this episode and helping me to do so from one of my favorite podcasts, the Big Game Theory Podcast, known by many as the Young King, Evan Ronda. How's it going, man? I'm excited to finally get you on the show. It's going great. I'm glad to finally be here. What do they say? Long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm glad I'm finally on the show and getting to chat football with you, John. Yeah, man, me too. Yeah, I think they say something like that. I haven't heard it in a while, but uh, it makes sense. Yeah, I appreciate you. (laughs) I appreciate you listening. And yeah, I've been looking forward to getting you on the show. I always... uh, enjoy your your thoughts and uh, and information that you provide on your show so it'll be nice to to kind of blend that in uh here with the the big nickel podcast yeah awesome i'm definitely hoping to bring in some of that game theory mindset to these buys and sells because you know it's it's one thing to just list players and say you should get rid of this player and you should add this player but it's another thing entirely to take the market into consideration and kind of consider which directions these players' values are trending and and how other managers in your league perceive them. So it'll definitely be an interesting conversation to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do. I always appreciate like the your game theory approach to fantasy. Um, I mean, if anybody hasn't checked out Evan's podcast yet, uh, the Big Game Theory podcast, do yourself a favor, listen back through the entire catalog, really, because it's all evergreen fantasy advice and it's guaranteed to make you a better fantasy player. Um, and yeah, I think I think there, that you're right. There's a certain approach you have to have to things like buy, sell. And I mean, yeah, for me, like it and this is kind of obvious, but obviously it takes two to, to buy and sell. So you need willing trade partners. But the way I kind of approach it, at least for the purposes of this episode is that I have some of these if I have some of these cells on my roster then I'm I'm going to do what I can to get something for them uh, and for the buys on this list they're basically players that I'm trying to acquire at a lower cost um, than what I could what I think they can return in the coming years um, and then it's and then if it's in a startup draft for example the buys are players that I'm trying to snag ahead of others and and the sells I'm letting fall below where they're likely to be drafted but how about you anything else come into play with how you built uh, your list for this episode yeah so my dynasty IDP theory kind of process if you will for this offseason has really shaped what I took into my buys and sells and one thing that I I really thought about specifically was in the value of linebackers and the difference between the top 
in the bottom of our known three down linebackers in that we don't really know which one's going to be the best one. And, you know, there's so many different factors that go into who produces a lot. Mm. And so I kind of have deferred towards those guys that have the top of the market value versus those guys that have lower market value, kind of applying buying and selling regards to that market value to these linebackers on a lot of these teams. And you'll kind of tell as we go through, most of my buys and sells are centered around linebackers simply because they are the the hot button asset when it comes to IDP a lot of the time. Definitely. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, that's <laughs> the people love linebackers, right? Like um, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, the sexiest position of, of IDP, if you will. And and I think there is a lot of uh, discrepancy in, in, you know, how people value them. Like I'm not somebody that values them overly high, but I know there's a lot of people that do. And um, for those people that do, those are the people that I'm trying to sell my linebackers to, right? To see if you could get more than um, what you believe that they're worth. And plus, you know, it's a pretty deep position too, right? Like we can, we can find linebackers in season pretty easily, um, off the waiver wire. So that replaceability comes into play as well, um, into why you, you can, and and probably should sell linebackers at their peak. Yes. I could not agree more. Nice. So, so yeah, so we'll, we'll split these, uh, we'll split these things up. Um, we we're starting this episode with the, the NFC next episode, I'll do the AFC, but, um, we both took two divisions each and, and we'll look to run through who we consider one IDP buy and, and one IDP sell for each NFC team. So let's get right into it. Um, and we will start things off with the NFC South Evan, take it away. Yeah, so the first team I'm covering in the NFC South is the Atlanta Falcons. And interestingly enough, John just wrote an article for PFF talking about a lot of linebackers that he's looking to acquire in this offseason. And one of those guys is Michael Walker, their linebacker. Now, you know, he was their linebacker three last season. He was playing behind two other guys. But with Foyasad Oluokun as an impending free agent, If the Falcons don't sign him back, Walker does look like he's next in line to start for Atlanta. So I don't think it's an understatement to say that if he's given the starting role, he could be an every week starter for you. And I think your window to buy him is closing pretty quickly because I believe the market is heating up on his upcoming potential opportunities. So if you have an opportunity to buy him from the manager that currently owns him, I would definitely recommend getting in their DMs and doing what you can to pick up on him without really trying to show your cards that you really believe he should have a big value spike coming up in the future. Yeah, I like that. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, we're both in on this one. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that that are as well, but not everybody, right? Not everybody's aware of like the what the free agency landscape looks like and that Aluakon could be departing in free agency, right? So with the Falcons, they're they're a two linebacker team. Um, there, there's probably less than ten NFL teams right now that we can really trust um, two linebackers for IDP week in and week out. Um, but yeah, like you said, Walker in a great spot if uh, if Aluakon leaves, and he's and Walker's graded well as in his first two years as well. He, I think he has like a it's over ninety. I think ninety point one. I'll say his coverage grades since twenty twenty, which is third behind uh, only Fred Warner and Eric Kendricks. And it, it's a smaller sample size for sure, but um, at least a positive sign going forward. Absolutely. And finding any linebacker that's not a straight up liability in coverage is pretty rare. Right. So I would say that spells well for his likelihood of not getting pulled off the field simply because of a deficiency in that area. 
Um, and actually, speaking of Foyasado Luokun, he is my cell for the Falcons. And I'm already going to hearken back to what I opened up the episode with in that I'm looking to sell these high-production linebackers such as this guy who came off a really, really big year. Now, he's going to be a free agent, and I don't know if his situation can get any better than what it was with the Falcons, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll get worse if he does go to a new team, but he had a healthy year, and he saw more snaps on defense than anyone else on the whole team, and the third most snaps at linebacker in the entire league. And if you can find a manager that's willing to send you an asset with more room to appreciate or more yearly stability, I would go for it. Because it's really hard to predict who's going to be the top of the linebacker list on a year-to-year basis. And a guy coming off a production year, such as this one, has to be somebody that you want to sell high on. Yeah, I like that. I mean, like you said, like there's there's a certain amount of factors that go into becoming like an LB1 on a season. And one of the big ones is just playing time. Um, and like you said, third most snaps is uh, is going to contribute to a pretty big IDP year for a linebacker. So, and yeah, I, I think you're right. Like I think 2021, I mean, that's got to be probably the best season of his career um, as far as IDP value goes. I, I don't know if it gets better than that especially if he does go to another team. There's no guarantee, really, that he'll have the same uh, every down role, like you said. And and like I said before, too, Atlanta, one of the few really linebacker-friendly teams. So um, it it becomes a little less likely that that role of his is going to stay the same. And um, he's not a player that that necessarily grades well either, um, mostly below average for his career. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the rest of the NFL values him if he if he does hit the the free agency market this offseason. Absolutely. Um I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Panthers here and I've mentioned before I write selling high on linebackers and so this buy here is a great option for somebody you might want to sell high and acquire which is Shaq Thompson the linebacker for the Panthers. So if you're already tired of hearing me talk about selling high on linebackers I have a warning for you. It's going to happen a lot more this episode, so buckle up. But here we go. Shaq only had 104 tackles this year, which was 30th in the league at the linebacker position. So you might be asking, you know, why buy this guy? And the reason is because he's under contract with the Panthers until 2024. And the Panthers clearly view him as their linebacker one when he's healthy. He likely disappointed his managers in 2021 because of his lower tackle numbers and his injuries but I don't really care about any of that going into 2022. Thompson is a 100% snap linebacker when he's healthy, and he has just as good a chance to be the linebacker one overall any given week as any other three-down linebacker. If his manager is looking for something a bit more shiny in their linebacker spot, you should be able to buy him low and plop him right into your starting lineup without a second thought. Yeah, that's a good one. I I like Shaq Thompson. He's not like this, you know, like sexy, shiny piece, like you say, that you can... that. Uh, you know, coming off the 104 tackle season, but he's quietly had like three straight 100 tackle seasons too, right? And uh, you know, he's not Luke Keekley who who he replaced uh, as the Panthers LB one, but like you said, he's under contract for at least another year until 2024. So there's no reason he can't be a steady IDP piece once again. And if you can get him and, and another asset for somebody like a Foyer Aluacon, for example, I, I, I think that's a pretty strong deal that uh, that you're getting there because Shaq Thompson is in a, in a steady position to kind of um, contribute weekly uh, as an IDP. So I really like that one. 
Yeah. And my sell for the Panthers is going to be Hassan Reddick, their edge rusher. And again, this is kind of a conditional edge rusher because depending on the platform you want, he might be a linebacker. But um, I usually use sleeper, so you know I'm a little basic in that sense. So I'm calling him an edge <laughs> here. But uh, Reddick was a—he's he, an impending free agent coming off a year in which he had a really good counting stats season, and they definitely ref, they, they reflect positively on and what, how good of a season he had, if you will. But he really just—he stayed healthy and he played a ton of snaps. He converted those snaps to pressures at a rate slightly below league average, and then he converted those pressures to sacks at a rate much higher than league average. So there's a prime formula for you to spot likely regression at the edge position. Expecting Reddick to perform any higher than this level again is unwise, and you'd be lucky to even see him repeat this performance elsewhere. So I would find a manager who believes that this level of production is normal and see what you can get for him. For sure. Yeah, I mean... I'm with you 100% on Reddick. People love him, but I, I agree. There's, I think there's going to be a steep regression um, if his actual level of play doesn't improve, right? Things like win rate. I think he was 12.5% win rate, which was 70th uh, at his position. Things like that need to go up because things like his, the amount of like cleanup or pursuit pressures that he's getting, for example. So he was, which he was above average in the, at his position for is, is going to be something that goes down. Um, um, and, and yeah, you mentioned it. I think he does. He has one of the more unstable sack rates in the NFL uh, from last season. It was 3.4% uh, sack rate, which is the top 10th of the league um, for his position. So 91st percentile to be exact. Um, you know, just to put that in perspective, the average sack rate. Uh, for edge defenders was 1.8%. So he was 3.4. So these things tend to kind of level out. And, you know, Reddick is definitely somebody that I think you can sell fairly high on right now. So that's a great call. Thanks. uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Saints here. And my first guy is another player you mentioned in your article about linebackers you're looking to acquire this offseason in Pete Werner, the linebacker for the Saints. Now, he only played about 400 snaps in 2021, but he honestly played pretty well. Quan Alexander played over him, but he didn't impress, and he's now a free agent. And I highly doubt the Saints are going to bring him back to start over Werner, especially with their cap situation. And uh, in John's article, he mentioned that this fellow linebacker on his team, Demario Davis, is a potential cut candidate. But even if he restructures his contract to remain with the team... Werner will almost certainly have an increased workload. The Saints ran two or more linebackers on 97% of defensive snaps this past season, and with their former defensive coordinator becoming their new head coach, I fully expect this to continue to be a defense that's friendly for the top two linebackers. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you mentioning the article because, yeah, I love Pete Werner this offseason. I think I think now's the perfect time to buy. I mean, Demario Davis... He's still on the team, but you know, again, he's 33 years old. Like you said, he might he might be a cut candidate. Maybe he gets a contract restructure. Either way, Davis is definitely nearing the end of his time in New Orleans, and Werner is the obvious replacement. Um, uh, even if Werner is the team's LB two for one more year, playing like the second most snaps behind Davis, it's a nice spot to to be to be in with a chance to blow up even more next year. So um, yeah, Pete Werner's a big one for me this offseason. I'm, I'm trying to target him wherever I can. 
for my sells for the Saints, it was difficult to pick out a player that the market is higher on than I believe they ought to be. But really, I just have listed old dudes because <laughs> it's tough to find an edge on the market when it comes to the Saints defenders. Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins all had decent seasons at best. But since they're all well over 30, it's hard to imagine they continue to stay IDP relevant. Even if you have to sell at 75 cents on the dollar, it's better to sell them early than sell them late. Because once they're gone, they're gone. Uh-huh, yeah. You young uh, you young whippersnappers, you think you can just call 30-somethings old and it won't hurt anyone's feelings, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that no, one. No, no, that's uh, that's that's okay. I'm sure you'll be 30 in like a decade too. Okay, so, <laughs> but no, I I totally agree. This these are the guys that you need to be moving at this point. I mean, even Cam Jordan, who's been good for so long, so consistent, uh, he's starting to show some decline as well. Malcolm Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins is clearly um, showing some decline. His his IDP production has suffered as a result as well, and. Uh, um, yeah, Demario Davis too. I mean, it, you know, these are guys that have um, pretty strong names in the IDP world, and you could likely get something for them. So that window to sell them isn't going to be around much longer. Yeah, I've rostered one or two of these guys in various IDP leagues at some point in my time playing IDP, and I understand how difficult it is to sell these guys. But if you just find the one right manager, or you're lucky and you have a Saints fan in your league. I believe you should be able to get a deal done if you just kind of put in some of the work to make sure that you find the manager that's actually interested in buying them. Uh, moving on to the Buccaneers, in Tampa Bay, I have two players I have listed for a buy. I have their edge defender, Joe Tryon Shoinka, and a, their safety, Mike Edwards. So I don't think there's anybody that the market is super low on, but these two players specifically could still be valuable trade targets under the right circumstances. So first off for Joe Tryon, he certainly had his rookie season struggles, but the Bucks coaching staff has shown us that they're willing to give him snaps in spite of that. The main reason you might look to buy him is because Jason Pierre-Paul is an impending free agent. If he departs, Tryon would have less competition for snaps on the edge in Tampa. Shaquille Barrett is still under contract until 2025, with a potential out in 2024, so he'll still be around for a few more seasons, but I don't personally view that as a bad thing. Tryon is still far from a sure thing at edge, but if his manager is less than thrilled with his rookie year production, you might be able to snag him slightly below market value. As for Mike Edwards, he saw the third most snaps at safety for the Bucks. Winfield has solidified himself as their deep safety and is arguably one of the best in the league. Jordan Whitehead played a predominantly strong safety role for the Bucks, but is an impending free agent once again. If he doesn't return, I'm inclined to believe Edwards takes over that role. I wouldn't pay much to acquire him, but I also doubt his manager needs much convincing to ship him off either. Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, I mean, yeah, Tryon, Tryon specifically, I mean, JPP, I can't imagine he's back. He was... He was not good last year, like at all. I think uh, so. Just two and a half sacks, a fifty-three point two pass rush grade. He never posted more than three pressures in a game last year, uh, and finished with just twenty-four pressures on the year, while also leading all edge rushers in cleanup and pursuit pressures at forty-five point five percent, which is uh, an incredibly high rate. So, 
I can't imagine that Tampa brings him back at this point, especially after spending a first uh, on Tryon Shoyinka. So I, I think it's a great time to get in on, on Joe Tryon. But um, I like the Edwards call as well. I mean, it makes sense to try and get him while the price is super low, like you said, just in case Whitehead does go elsewhere. There's no guarantee that Tampa Bay brings him back or that he's, you know, this high priority player for them. So uh, Mike Edwards makes a lot of sense to just try and get at a, at a super cheap price. Yeah, and at this point in the offseason, right, there's not a lot of buying and selling that we're doing that we're going to see dividends on until the season. Mm-hmm. But this is one of an, a, one, an example of a player that you might actually see dividends on sooner. And even if you don't plan on rostering him into the season, simply waiting for free agency to happen and noting that Jordan Whitehead doesn't return could spike his value enough for you to sell him again. So I just like to acquire assets in the offseason that actually have narratives to change in value up or down and allow me to make transactions based upon that. Now, moving on to the cells for this team, I have Antoine Winfield, their safety, and Devin White, their linebacker. And those of you listeners who know these names and know how productive and flashy these players have been are probably a little concerned and wondering what I'm on. No, you can't have any, but I will explain to you why I'm calling them out. So Antoine Winfield is really, really good at football. And the cell is not based on him playing poorly, but rather how he's used. Now, 66% of Winfield snaps were at free safety in 2021. Producing high tackle numbers while playing a high percentage of snaps at free safety is pretty rare. It's not something I really expect to continue. Now, Winfield's market value is really, really high right now. And if you find a manager in need of safety help, they'd likely be willing to give you a haul for him. This is purely a bet on regression, and I'd hedge my bets by selling him high. Even if he continues his dominance, you got a hefty return for him. As for my Devin White call, you can probably guess why I'd sell him. Expensive linebacker with a high market value. There are the ideal trade-away targets in my eyes, because few things differentiate them from other three-down linebackers in a predictability standpoint. And on top of that, White is not the elite talent that I bet most people think he is. Yeah, definitely with you there. I mean... There's not going to be pretty much anybody that I'm disagreeing with you on this list. After looking at your list, I really like all the names, but I'm with you again. I mean, Antoine Winfield and Devin White. I I, fe- I find that I like Winfield a lot more for Dynasty than I do in Redraft every year. And I think that's to your point. Like, I, I trust his ability to last in the NFL for a long time more than most but heading into each individual season i think there's going to be plenty of safeties that i that i have ahead of him because like you say um the way that he's used on the field and for me that's probably just a good sign that he should be a sell um and and yeah with white i I would have sold him last year coming off that huge season anyone offering like a first for him i think you take it um nobody is offering multiple first friday peas it's just not happening outside of the rarest occasions but one first, you can almost certainly convince someone to give up for Devin White based off his name value and that past production. I'd make that move in a heartbeat. Yeah, I definitely would too. And I'm curious to see some of your player calls as we move into our next division of teams. Yeah, so let's go into the uh, the NFC North. Um, I'll start things off with the Chicago Bears. So my buy for the Chicago Bears is nobody. Um, <laughs> I get to start off my series of buy-sells with literally the worst answer possible, but I, I just don't like 
anyone enough on this defense that I think would be worth making a push for. I mean, uh, Roquan Smith is is far and away the best fantasy asset on that defense, but I think he's just going to cost too much, in my opinion, or more than I'm willing to give. Um, he is my LB1 for Dynasty, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to start making offers to Roquan managers to acquire him. It's more that if he falls to me in the right spot in a startup draft and there are no linebackers that have been taken, then that's who I'm grabbing. But otherwise, he's likely way too expensive to actually buy right now. Um, and then my sell, I do have a sell. It is uh, Edge Robert Quinn. So this one really feels like a no-brainer, but believe me, there are going to be plenty of people out there that are going to be of the mind that Quinn can repeat at least at least a fair deal of his production in 2022. Um, he is under contract with the Bears until 2025, but he's already 32 years old, entering his 12th NFL season. So this is a guy who had 18 and a half sacks last year, which was a half sack short of his career high, which came way back in 2013. Uh, he only had two sacks in 2020 on just 28 less pass rush snaps. This is really not that wildly different of a player from one year to the next, unless we're assuming he's just hitting his stride at 32 years old, which uh, I highly doubt. Um he had 47 pressures, which was tied for 26th among edge defenders, kind of just average there, and then a really high sack rate, right? So 4.7% sack rate, which was second behind only TJ Watt. Um, these are these are the unstable metrics, right? Average sack rate being around 1.8%. So um, think about somebody like Randy Gregory, to be exact, who, who I will talk about in a bit. But for any dynasty manager still holding, uh, your your sell window might never be bigger uh, than right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on these. When I think about the Chicago defense as a whole, it, my recollection of the 21 season is just kind of muddy. There are like, you know, two or three guys that are like somewhat relevant in my mind and everybody else was just a mess. And obviously Roquan Smith is that guy. But like I said earlier, I'm not looking to buy expensive linebackers, just like you said. And Robert Quinn is, you know, he had a lucky season. And you backed that up with the data and you explained why we should expect regression. But in a defense that's as wild as this one, especially with an instance of variance upcoming with a new head coach, this buy window or the sell window for Robert Quinn makes perfect sense to me. Nice. All right, cool. So let's go on to the Detroit Lions here. Um, the buy for the Lions is going to be another edge, uh, Julian Okwara. So I was thinking about putting Romeo Okwara here, but the Achilles injury is really concerning for me. Um, there's even talks that he won't be able to play a fully healthy 2020, 2022 season. So I'm pretty worried there, but it, it does pivot me to his younger brother, Julian Okwara, who we have yet to see in a full-time role, but he certainly flashed potential as a situational type pass rusher. So uh, he did earn a strong 76.8 pass rush grade last year. He posted 21 pressures and five sacks on just 100 173 pass rush attempts so about a half percent more than the mean sack rate so don't necessarily expect those five sacks to turn into 15 on more snaps but uh, you know he did have decent metrics a 14.3 percent pass rush win rate as well and assuming that his big brother is going to miss time plus charles harris who played a ton last year as an expected free agent uh, trey flowers is probably the team's top cut candidate according to brad spielberger at pff and 
even though there's a decent chance they'll draft one of those top edges, whether it's Hutchinson or Thibodeau, there's still room for for the OG JOK to get on the field and, and make an IDP impact. I, I think he could be had pretty easily in dynasty leagues as well if you throw out some low ball offers or make him an add-on in trade offers, then just got to hope that he does get that shot to start, which I, I do feel like there's a decent chance. Yeah, that's one of my favorite kinds of dynasty targets is an asset that has a reasonable story of likely appreciation and value. And with Julian Aquara being a young asset that's flashed talent before and an opportunity to increase in their opportunity, you have to expect that should that happen, an increase in production happens as well. And even if he doesn't end up being the guy, simply having an asset that appreciates in value is great for your dynasty team because then their market value increases as well. And then you can sell them higher if you really feel like you need to. So I'm definitely a fan of this call. Thanks. Yeah. And I I think, yeah, one of the main thing is just like you're not paying that much for him right now. Right. And like you said, there's a chance that his value does appreciate a bit. So um, I always I'm with you. I always like to kind of get in on those guys where I can as well. And so you, you, you hit with some and sometimes you don't, but at least it doesn't cost all that much. Um, All right. And then my sell for the Detroit Lions is linebacker Derek Barnes. So Barnes had really like kind of this amazing preseason where he earned top grades in coverage. He was making plays. He was flashing all over the field. But that was really just 54 total snaps through three games. So very small sample size uh, and probably serves as a good reminder to not get sucked into preseason hype and storylines. If anybody remembers the, the Jamar Chase drops, for example. Um, once the regular season began, you know, we couldn't figure out why he wasn't beating out Alex Anzalone of all people for a starting job. Um, there was literally no reason that Anzalone, uh, should have been getting more in-game reps than Barnes when they couldn't be further apart on the spectrum of who is likely to be a bigger part of this team's future. That is unless Barnes just sucked, which he kind of did outside of one game, really. Uh, And Dan Campbell and company definitely got to see plenty of Barnes in practice every week, which obviously made them feel like he just wasn't ready, right? So when he did get on the field last year, the grades kind of told the story as to exactly what the Lions coaching staff uh, were obviously concerned about. He ranked 92nd of 94 linebackers in overall grade, so a 30.1 overall grade. And he was dead last in uh, coverage grade, so 27.6. He he really was not good. Um, even Jalen Reeves-Mabin, who feels like he's been on the team forever and couldn't even beat out Jared Davis for a starting spot in years past, got the nod over Barnes. So all the red flags are there after one season with Barnes. And, and you know, he's young. Maybe he progresses and, and gets better. But I'm honestly, I'm happy to move him to anyone optimistic about his future because even if he does improve a bit, I can't see him really burning me with any LB1 seasons anytime soon. Yeah, I think this fits a really good formula for a kind of player that you would want to sell. Had all the opportunity and had the chance to earn a starting role and just didn't take it. And I actually believe the market is still relatively high on Barnes. The managers that have him in some of the dynasty leagues I'm in are holding on to him and are kind of expectant of future production that they assume he's going to get. And if you are able to sell him on your team, you know, to one of those people that are hoping that his next year is a little bit more productive, then, you know, you have a really good shot at, you know, dumping off a guy who's probably going to tank in value pretty soon after that. So 
Good call here. Thanks. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, there's there's always a, a certain amount of optimism around these these young players, but not all of them pan out, right? So we have to kind of try and find the red flags and um, and cut our losses when we can. And I, I think Barnes kind of fits that narrative a little bit. So um, yeah, I, I have him in a few places, and I'll I'll definitely be looking to move him throughout the off season. Um. All right, next team on the list is the Green Bay Packers. So my I'm going with linebacker Devondre Campbell. Um, I actually decided to go with two buys here to make up for the no buys on the Bears. But quickly, uh, Devondre Campbell is a big one for me. Uh, he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL last season. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that we could see a DeMario Davis-like career trajectory where his best seasons are now at 29 years old, um, which would keep him as an effective IDP for a few more seasons. Uh, I, I do feel like the Packers will be crazy not to re-sign him at this point. And if he does go back to Green Bay, he'll continue to be a great fantasy asset and, and one that could probably be probably be had for very little given his age, right? So um that that's that's one linebacker that I actually am looking to acquire, and the other Packers player uh, that I like a lot is uh, Edge Rashawn Gary. So he's my number ten Edge for dynasty leagues right now, which I think is probably higher than anyone else right now, at least that I've seen. But I'm all in at this point and believe he could still be acquired for a decent price. So he finished 2021 with an 88.9 pass rush grade. 81 total pressures and nine and a half sacks that continued even into the playoffs as well with a six pressure two sack game against the 49ers. I think, you know, coming out of Michigan, he was he was touted as this super athletic traitsy edge who hadn't quite put it all together yet as a pass rusher. But the upside was always there. Very, very similar to like a Quiddy Pay, for example, who's also out of Michigan. These guys do take time to develop and there's definitely a certain level of boom bust with them but if they hit they could be elite and and Gary certainly looks like a hit now after this past season so in true position leagues where he's not listed as a linebacker I'd be willing to pay up for him and I think you could still acquire him at a price that's less than that of a top 10 edge where I have him ranked yeah and regarding Devondre Campbell specifically he had a a really interesting offseason last year. He was a free agent late into the offseason and then signed on to the Packers. And I can remember distinctly in some of the leagues I was in, he was a free agent on the waivers until, you know, like week one when he showed everybody that he was actually their starter. Yeah. And I feel like the market has had a difficult time adjusting to his new level of production. Yeah, during the season he was really good, but even still it doesn't seem like managers are touting him as some top-level linebacker one. And considering he's becoming an, uh, a free agent this offseason, managers might be looking to sell him aggressively simply because they think he's a one-and-done asset. So, you know, talk to the manager and don't reveal your hand. Don't let them know that you're really interested in buying him. But if you can kind of get them to reveal their cards and state that they're trying to get rid of him, then perhaps you can acquire him at a price cheaper than maybe what he deserves to be acquired for. Definitely, yeah. Like I, I really do feel like that this past season that he had is really flying under the radar of just how good he really was. And um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people feel the same way and, and might be kind of overlooking it just because he is getting older. And you, like you said, he had that kind of weird off season where he wasn't named a starter. And a lot of people were in on Chris Barnes, for example, um, being kind of the LB one in green Bay, but um, he played so well and, and, and was 
really one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL last season. So I, I would I would be looking for that to continue, especially if he signs with the Packers again. All right, so moving on to my cells for the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's kind of a twofer again. I put uh, the Smith brothers, so that's Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Uh, I think there's a chance that we could see one of them actually be released this offseason. Uh, maybe both, but probably unlikely that it's both. But uh, just to make cap space for the Packers, um, both are are eligible to be released and save the Packers some cap. So it will be interesting to see how they, they address that. But the Packers' edges were perfectly fine last season without Zadarius Smith as he kind of dealt with this pretty significant back injury. It feels like Rashawn Gary has kind of solidified himself a, a spot in the starting lineup. So one of these guys is going to see their role diminished, even if they're both on the team next year. And uh, I mean, both Smith brothers, they're they're still pretty good edge rushers. But I think if if we're in for either a smaller role or a team change, something like that for either of these guys, I'd be looking to get out now uh, if I have either one of them on my roster. Yeah, and there are so many great buy options this offseason before we hit free agency at the edge position that players like these that still have an overinflated market value are great sell options. I'm definitely on board with this call as well. Nice. Sweet. All right. So let's take a look at the Minnesota Vikings because I, 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 again, kind of a twofer at, uh, as far as buys go, but I have a name here. Um, at safety that I really like. So Cameron Bynum, uh, there's, like I said, two players on the Vikings, but I want to go with with a really cheap option first uh, because I was super impressed with Bynum on what limited snaps we saw from him as a rookie. So he only started two games for the Vikings while Harrison Smith was out, but he was really awesome. I mean, one of those games too was like a 98 snap game, uh, which was an overtime game against the Ravens in week nine. But in that game, um, he earned a 90 overall grade and he did so playing all over the field in that Harrison Smith role, which is not easy to do, especially against one of the tougher quarterbacks to defend against in Lamar Jackson. So he had 12 tackles, an interception, four defensive stops, just did everything that was asked of him and handled uh, all that was thrown his way, which was e- even crazier considering that that was his first ever NFL start. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get in on Bynum now. Smith is 33 years old. Xavier Woods is a pending free agent. Um, he was somebody that played every single snap uh, last last season, Xavier Woods. And um, it's, it's unclear if the Vikings are going to bring him back, but I came away really impressed with Cameron Bynum. So I'm trying to buy for cheap right now. Uh, and then the other name I, I mentioned, I'm, I have two here, is uh, edge rusher Daniel Hunter. So I, I'm still fairly high on Hunter. I, this is a guy, he's still 27 years old. He didn't appear to lose a step after the neck surgery, which kept him out in 2020. Uh, he did post a 77.4 pass rush grade, 31 pressures, six sacks, 38 tackles, all in just six and a half games. Um He's my edge seven right now for Dynasty. He's still just a sack and tackle machine, and I'm looking to buy from anyone frustrated with the injury stuff. So it was just a torn peck in 2021. I I saw some Vikings blogs calling him injury prone now, but the guy bounced back from a serious neck surgery, and and he looked great. I I know he tore his peck, but that could have happened to anyone, and once it's fixed, it's it's not really a major cause for long-term concern. So before 2020... 
He played four straight seasons, having never missed a game. I, I mean, he's a physical specimen. It, it, if it was me tearing my pec, then I'm probably bedridden for like the next six years. But Hunter doing it, it's just <laughs> something he's shaking off and, and getting back to work ASAP, right? And I, I know what you're going to say, you know, John, you and Hunter, you guys are almost identical twins. And, and I get that. But credit where credit is due, he's probably just a hell of a lot tougher than I am. Um, younger, too, as Evan has no problem pointing out. So that, that just helps his case just a bit for me oh my goodness um <laughs> funny enough so i started playing idp two years ago which was the what 2020 season and i saw these idp rankings of daniel hunter being this elite edge and for my entire time playing so far he's let me down because i had him on all these rosters and i'm waiting expectantly for the time that he returns to that you know elite edge form that that I was expecting from him when I first started and I've held him this whole time and I'm looking forward to finally seeing him have that season those you know you mentioned before four straight seasons of not missing a game I'm I'm looking forward to that coming back but with Cameron Bynum I really like this call that's a very under the radar he's likely on waivers in most leagues I was fortunate enough to have him for the two weeks that he started and he was really impressive I was I was really happy with the production that he had and you know, given the opportunity to start again, and you mentioned his pathway to get there, I would fully expect his production to be pretty satisfying for any manager looking for a cheap safety option. Yeah, yeah, I really liked him. I mean, it, it's a new coaching staff in Minnesota, so we'll see. But I mean, it also means they don't really have any ties to to previous players like an Xavier Woods. Um, so there's no you know nothing really forcing them to bring him back. And I think yeah, Bynum who can step into that role and again it's super small sample size but playing that Harrison Smith role is not easy to be kind of all over the field and not just a typical deep safety or playing a playing in the slot only he, he really did everything and did it well so that that was a good uh, sign to see as far as I'm concerned and then my sell for the Minnesota Vikings is edge rusher DJ Wanham so Hopefully nobody out there is fooling themselves into thinking that Wanham is a good NFL edge rusher. He's, he's really not. Um, he became an IDP asset as a result of necessity, basically, along the Vikings defensive line because there was literally nobody else. Uh, he played a ton down the stretch with Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin out. And so specifically, he never saw below 85% of snaps from week 10 on for a total of 565 snaps in that span, which is more than any other edge rusher in the league. Um, I think where he did all DJ Wanham dynasty owners a favor was in week 15 and 18, posting a couple big games there, because other than that, he was the most inefficient pass rusher in the league this season. Um, he finished the year with eight sacks, 42 pressures, which was tied for 35th, and a 57.4 pass rush grade, which was 100th among edge defenders. So um, he was a volume producer uh, and a volume producer only, basically, uh, was DJ Wanham and He's he's got to go if you're if you're a dynasty manager of his. Yeah, I'm looking at Tom K's graphs of DJ Wanham's his pass rush pat. That is always so difficult <laughs> to say. Pass rush snaps versus pressures, and his pass rush snaps versus sacks. And looking at that trend line and just how astronomically far below that line he falls on both of those graphs, <laughs> showing that his opportunity is literally the only reason he was even somewhat relevant this season. And he produced 
far lower than what he ought to have produced at, given the amount of opportunity that he had. So I'm on board with this sell. Nice. Yeah. That, yeah. Tom, Tom does some great visualization work with the charts and stuff. And uh, yeah, that would be an interesting one to look at because DJ Wanham was just, he was awful and, and he was given every opportunity to prove that he wasn't, and it just wasn't the case. So he's a big sell for me. Um, all right, let's take uh, let's take a quick ad break and we will be right back with the NFC West. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Start clapping. Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist, now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code IDPSHOW. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with the Ultra Premium Collection. This package includes Manscaped Premium Deodorant. No, not for your balls, for your stanky armpits. Oh. Well, that's why. I see I've been using the ball deodorant on my armpits and the armpit deodorant on my balls, so that might clear up some of my uh, my stank, apparently. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum-free, and smells like their signature scent. Hydrating body moisturizer. Have tattoos or issues with dry skin? It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and feeling fresh. That'll be good. I got a ton of neck tattoos and a ton of dry skin. Body wash to lather you up with your infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. That is fancy two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with an easy one step. Plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balms that made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. Mm. That's four products plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score. All these products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, vegan-free, and dye-free. The best ingredients with zero compromise. I'd recommend using the products in this order. One, hop in the shower and scrub a dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Two, lather your hair up with the two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. That was step three. Four, put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Make sure you use the ball deodorant on your balls and not on your armpits. And five, pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one is out here kissing chapped up lips. Hmm. Getting dressed after is optional. Interesting. Wear one great scent all day long. Get that ultra premium collection hot off the shelves. 
Remember, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code IDPSHOW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code IDPSHOW at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What's up, everybody? Josh here with the IDP show. Now, if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you've probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where league members get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. And the IDP show is making it happen for listeners. We've partnered up with RSO to offer new members 10% off their annual site fee. Just use promo code IDP show after your 14 day trial is complete. So what are you waiting for? With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Like we said, it's the closest thing you can get to being an NFL general manager. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Just remember to use the promo code IDP show to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code IDP show to get 10% off the site fee for your leagues in 2022. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. All right, we're back and we are picking things right up where we left off with the NFC West, Evan, and your hometown Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, my hometown Arizona Cardinals and having our wonderful little offseason controversy regarding Kyler Murray. I'm very excited that our little a little man behind center is begging for some <laughs> money right now. Um, but let's talk about the defensive side of the ball, which is only marginally more exciting. And I'm going to mention Zayvon Collins as my buy. Now, those of you guys that know how much I loved Zayvon Collins last offseason are probably wondering why I'm still clutching my pearls with this guy now because I have him as a buy and he did literally nothing last year. So you might be saying, Evan, why are you still touting Zayvon Collins as a player you should be buying? Well, let me tell you. Jordan Hicks is the linebacker that ended up starting over him this season and Jordan Hicks is still under contract for 2022. But he is a possible cut candidate. Collins did have an extremely unimpressive 2021 season, due simply to the fact that he was rarely on the field, but he did show flashes here and there. And he also displayed a propensity to make rookie mistakes. 
So if Hicks is cut, I fully expect Tollins to be a full-time linebacker. Now, this is an interesting call simply because I don't really know what's going to happen with with Hicks, but just based on how the market views him and an opportunity for his value to spike, if you find a manager that has Evan Collins that's upset with him, he would be a good buy. But it will depend on your league because I definitely know there are some managers out there, myself included, who have been holding on to Zayvon Collins for all of last year and are more than willing to continue to hold on to him as long as they need to so that they can see that value spike. So talk to your manager, figure out which one of him is that manager, figure out which kind of manager he is, and then make the appropriate decision accordingly. Yeah, for sure. Like, And, and he was one I think I included in the article as well, but I did... I mentioned the same thing like you did. He might be one of the tougher buys to get right now, um, but I, I think he will be worth it. And and yeah, like you said, who knows what happens with Jordan Hicks? I mean, if he were to get cut, the team saves about six and a half million in cap or something like that. And Arizona is one of eleven teams currently over the cap, so there's there's a chance that it could happen. I mean, they were talking about trading Jordan Hicks last off season, right? So um, we could see Zayvon Collins. Uh, get his opportunity this year i mean just 220 snaps last year it's crazy um so he and he and he was he was decent i mean he's he was solid in run defense he he hasn't shown to be a complete liability in coverage yet and this is the same guy who did earn a 92.3 coverage grade in college um now granted it was at tulsa in the aac but he really moves well for a guy his size so i'm hopeful like you are with saving collins um and yeah, if there's somebody that's, you know, cooled on him at all, uh, he'd be one of the few linebackers I'd be looking to buy. Yeah. And uh, his linebacker mate, if you will, Isaiah Simmons, is the guy that I have listed as a sell here, primarily because his usage worries me. I'm going to once again reference Tom Kay's, um, you know, his 2021 defensive scheme handbook and where he mentioned that he sees about 40% of his snaps on the edge or tracking players in the slot but he isn't very good at it. So he might be a shiny enough name that you can get a solid return for, and this sell recommendation is spearheaded by my general IDP dynasty philosophy that I mentioned earlier, which is to excel expensive linebackers and buy cheap ones. Because we really have no reliable way to figure out which third down linebacker is going to have the best season, so it makes sense from a game theory standpoint. Prefer the inexpensive ones, avoid the expensive ones, since you're basically getting the same thing as far as our ability to predict production goes. Right. And he has that, you know, perceived value as well, right? Where he's a first down or he's a first round player. uh, He's young and things like that. So people are going to be excited about him and have this level of optimism around him. But like you said, yeah, he was uh, fairly inefficient. He does kind of have that split role um, where he plays on the edge, which makes him a below average tackler for an IDP. So, um, and I looked at the numbers too. So even when he did line up uh, just as a true off-ball linebacker, he was actually slightly below the average tackle efficiency for his position um, at 11%. So not uh, completely uh, below average. I, it hovers around 12%, I believe, uh, for linebackers, but still below where we'd want him to be. Uh, and he makes perfect sense as somebody that you'd be looking to move. I'm once again mentioning an article that you first brought up in your article by talking about Ernest Jones from the Rams. Now, Ernest Jones is a linebacker I was really, really in love with last offseason, 
and he toyed with my heart a little bit throughout the season and finally broke out at the end of the year. But his only really main competition is a restricted free agent this offseason. I expect Jones to see an uptick in weekly snap stability, and even if Troy Rood returns, Jones clearly has a starter nod over him as we neared the end of the season. So you should be able to get him underpriced for managers that just look at game logs. And while he might not be cheap, his price tag should still be less than other linebackers we expect to have a full workload. Yeah, and I, I like what you said there about um, IDP managers that look at game logs, right? So there's there's plenty of people that play IDP that don't listen to podcasts, don't read articles and things and aren't maybe as well informed about kind of what to look for. Um, but yeah, Ernest Jones would, would make perfect sense to buy from people like that. Um, it, it's kind of crazy, right? The Rams, they played reader over Jones for almost the entire playoffs too. It wasn't just like that kind of back and forth in the regular season, but it continued into the playoffs. Uh, I think it wasn't until the Super Bowl that they finally realized Jones should be on the field more. And uh, and he was great, obviously, in that game. He had a 71 overall grade. He added a sack. Um, he was really doing everything. So Ernest Jones is is should be the future there. I mean, Troy Reader is not very good, so I, I can't imagine him continuing to to win out uh, starting roles over Ernest Jones. So that's that's a nice piece there to try and, and grab. It's hard to find a sell on the defensive side for the team that is coming off a Super Bowl win, but the sell that I do have listed is their, their edge, Von Miller. And the sale is based primarily on the fact that he's a big name and he played really well. He is an aging free agent, and I'm going to make the assumption that he won't see his impressive performance continue in 2022. You might have difficulty finding a manager who's willing to invest in him, just given his age, but your trade partner is a team in need of a defensive line. Have him, you know, be a player that can help them out there. So if they're looking to win now and you have the ability to help them achieve that goal by giving them Von Miller... Try and find a way to put him in a trade offer and see if they can get another year or two out of him. Yeah, I like what you said about um, yeah him coming off this this great year. And again, um, you know, he, he did. He had a nice little resurgence resurgence in L.A. He won a Super Bowl. He played great, and and that's great. Um, he's he's a big name. Um, but I think it's going to be hard to find a better high than right now for a player who's 33, 33 years old and heading into his 11th season, right? So um, like you said, also a free agent. So who knows where he's going to end up? Um, yeah, if you can move Von Miller now, I mean, again, it's another one of those windows that's that's presenting itself as the best time to sell him because it's only going to go down from here. Yeah, and my 49ers buy is once again... I don't know if you're noticing a trend at this point. It's a linebacker mentioned in John's article. And, you know, you might think I'm copying him, and maybe I am. But honestly, I think it's just good process being shown in two separate kind of content creators coming to the same conclusions because, in reality, he is just a great buy. And the guy that I'm mentioning is, of course, Dre Greenlaw, their linebacker too. Now, he was injured most of 2021, so his market price will likely be lower depending on who his manager is. The 49ers clearly view him as their starter over Aziz Alshair when healthy. Once again, I recommend targeting cheaper full-time linebackers whenever possible. And Greenlaw fits that mold perfectly. 
Yeah, it's so it's so easy to forget like kind of the pecking order on a team when a player gets hurt like this. And he missed a bunch of time uh, last last season with injury. And but like you said, he stepped right back into a starting role whenever he was healthy. And uh, Al Shayer was a great IDP fill in for us last season. But I, I don't think we should be getting carried away and thinking that he's anything more than that. Yes, absolutely. And although I did mention him as my IDP MVP for the 2021 season, I am selling Aziz Alshair. And I understand it is a big shift from my previous stance, but I think he was a great asset in 2021. And, you know, that was 2021. So simply put, he's, he's a backup. Like I mentioned before, he saw increased playing time because Greenlaw was injured. With Greenlaw and Warner both healthy, he is the clear linebacker three, and he's not worth anything in almost any capacity. He's not worth starting, at least. And, and when selling Alshair, I would be pretty comfortable to take anything for him. He's a linebacker handcuff. If your league is deep enough that other backup linebackers are coveted assets, then naturally, as one of the best handcuff options, he has value. His market value is in a shallower league that, you know, you don't hold those backup linebackers, then his market value is definitely much higher than what his worth is. So if you find a manager that's just looking at the box score and believes he still has value, then please sell him. Get anything you can. And if you're lucky enough to have one of those managers in your league, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It makes sense. I mean, and it makes sense that, you know, the 49ers might bring him back as well, right? He, he'll be the third linebacker behind Warner and Greenlaw. Um but but we don't know for sure. But again, that that's what he is. He's he's a handcuff type linebacker. Um, I mean, maybe he does go elsewhere. Maybe he gets a one year deal similar to um, like what Eric Wilson got last off season. Um, he, he you know Eric Wilson was uh, IDP star in 2020 uh, as a waiver wire pickup for the Vikings. But then you know he was a free agent the following year. Um, he signed with the Eagles. People were excited. He ends up getting cut. He joins the Texans. He does nothing. Uh, it just wouldn't surprise me if if Al Shayer's in for a similar fate there as well. Absolutely. So, yes, exactly. Could not agree more. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Seahawks here, and I have an interesting buy, but I want you to to hang in there with me, and I'll kind of explain my case because I would be buying safety Jamal Adams. And it's hard to say anyone on the Seahawks team is a buy. And for two years in a row, (laughs) they have faced the most offensive plays per game by a lot. That's not a statistic that generally continues year to year. And what that means for IDPs in Seattle is that they've had more snaps to score points than any other team over the last two years. That should regress. On top of that, their defensive line has had a heavy rotation with no clear market advantage, as far as I can discern. However, there is a chance that the manager with Jamal Adams believes he's nearing the end of his reign as a top IDP safety. And while it's true that Adams was injured in 2021 and was somewhat mediocre when he was on the field, I believe that a return to elite form is at least within his range of outcomes. I'd recommend doing a temperature check on Adams' perceived value, and if you can buy him at an affordable price, his upside is worth investing in. Yeah, this is a really great call because Adams is kind of like a, a rarity right now in that he's he's one of the few safeties left who actually does 
get to spend most of his time around the line of scrimmage, right? Which we love for IDP. And he did, he's coming off a year where he had significant sack regression from, <laughs> from 2021 or from 2020 to 2021, right? He went from nine and a half sacks in 2020 to zero uh, this past year. And, you know, he did see less pass rush attempts, but you know, still, he was still getting those blitz opportunities. And I think he'll continue to get those blitz opportunities. And we might see that, that number average out a little bit closer to the mean. So uh, the the Seahawks, their pot committed with Adams too. So he's really not going anywhere. Um, And I think, like you said, that, that down year that he had is really created a nice little window to buy uh, Jamal Adams for, for this off season, because, uh, yeah, he, he could absolutely become an, a, an elite safety once again. And if I haven't hammered this sell point enough, I have almost an essay here for my last group of cells here where I have their linebackers, Jordan Brooks and Bobby, uh, Bobby Wagner, listed as cells. So buckle up. This is basically the entire theory right here. So like I previously mentioned, the Seattle defense has seen an unprecedented amount of volume that I don't expect to continue. That has naturally led to massive seasons from both linebackers in the counting stats department. They had the second and third most tackles among all linebackers this season. Nothing stands out to me about their tackle efficiency or usage, aside from the fact that they were both simply healthy for the entire season and played a ton of snaps. Sticking with the theme of my cells, I would imagine that most of your league mates view Brooks as an elite young linebacker option, despite him not being all that special of a player. While Wagner is certainly getting older, I'm sure his market value is still high enough to garner some attention. While I certainly didn't expect him to get cut, Wagner does carry a a $20 million cap hit with $3.7 million in dead cap, so it's within his range of outcomes. He could potentially get cut. Although, again, I do believe it's pretty unlikely. It might be difficult to convince a league bait to give you a haul for Brooks, but if you can sell him on the basis that you have greater needs at another position, you might be able to fragment him into a linebacker quote-unquote downgrade and another valuable asset. And note here that when I say linebacker downgrade, I mean exchanging him for another three-down linebacker with a much lower market value. You might even consider a one-for-one trade in which you acquire a different position where yearly success is a bit more sticky. Wagner is an aging asset, so his market value is likely lower than Brooks, but if you can do a temperature check on him, you might find a few managers in need of linebacker help who are willing to pay for his services. Remember that in trade discussions, framing is everything. Keep your cards close to your chest and control the narrative. You're in a position of power because you have the asset that is valued. If you throw Brooks or Wagner on the trade block and say, I'm trying to get rid of this guy, someone take him, managers are not going to give you a good offer. However, if you privately reach out to managers in your league and casually bring up one of those players to see how they feel, you'll get much more satisfying results. Love that. Yeah, that's just great points. I mean, there aren't too many linebackers who I'm not actively trying to sell to be honest but I think these these guys are perfect candidates right because Jordan Brooks like you said with the the 2021 season that he had and Bobby Wagner based on name value alone people are going to want to buy him so um 
and and yeah, I think there there has been some chatter uh, about Bobby Wagner potentially being cut this off season. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, I think he he eventually ends up as a starter just somewhere else if he does get cut. He's he's still a very good linebacker, but that doesn't mean that he's not a good sell candidate either, right? So I, I mean, I made the top 10 linebackers to buy article last week. And there's not really many more that I could think of than that. I I, I could come up with plenty more cells and um, I, I'm with you. Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner kind of fit that, that mold for sure. I think, um, yeah, I'm just all for it. I, I mean, you made the perfect points. There. There's nothing really else for me to say on there. <laughs> all right. So let's go to the uh, last division, the NFC East. Uh, and I will start things off with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my buy from the Dallas Cowboys is edge rusher Randy Gregory. So Gregory is really an interesting player to me uh, in that he was projected to be this top tier prospect when he came out of Nebraska back in 2015. But he, he tested positive for weed at the combine. He ends up falling to like the end of the second round and then dealt with actually like multiple suspensions from the NFL for failing their their substance abuse protocols. And uh, I think the Cowboys, yeah, it's, the Cowboys have been the only team to give him chances really. So now he's been on good behavior for a couple seasons and he's slated to become a free agent. He is 29 years old, and is, but he has shown that he can actually be a very good pass rusher uh, now that he's on the straight and narrow. So he's posted pass rush grades above 80 in each of the past two seasons, uh, 47 pressures and six sacks last year in 12 games as a designated pass rusher. So I think there's still clearly some juice left in the tank here. And, and whether it's the Cowboys that give him another shot or someone else, he could be an effective IDP edge, which is not always easy to find. So I'd be throwing out some offers there for, for Randy Gregory. I love what you mentioned there about it not being easy to find productive IDP edges. One of the reasons we are so easy or so inclined to sell linebackers is because finding replacement linebackers is pretty doable. But as far as finding replacement edges, it is a lot more difficult. And like you laid out very clearly in your argument, yeah, Randy Gregory has shown that he has the skills to pay the bills. And if you can acquire him and he ends up in a situation where he can continue to be uh, productive then the price you pay to acquire him will almost certainly be cheaper than in the level of production you receive from him. Yeah, definitely. And and like you said, yeah, that it's that replaceability factor, right? So linebackers, it's pretty high, whereas the defensive line, especially in season, you lose a starter. It's not like the next guy up on the team that fills in for him is necessarily going to replace that production, right? So, um, you know, I could probably name on one hand just the amount of defensive linemen that were picked up off the waiver wires that uh, that were effective IDPs last season. But linebackers, I mean, the list is the list is endless. There's it's every week there was a new three down linebacker that we could pick up and uh, and and plug into our lineups and and not let us down. But edge rusher much more difficult to do that because players actually have to be good at what they do uh, to return uh, production. So. Um, and then my sell is from the Dallas Cowboys is cornerback Trayvon Diggs. Uh, so this one, 
should not be more obvious. I mean, Diggs was a sell last season in the midst of his 11 interception season, but I can understand if you weren't ready to move him during the season, if you felt you needed him to contend and and didn't want to stream the position. But now that the season is over, I mean, there isn't a better time to try and capitalize on his amazing IDP year because guaranteed there's someone in your league who will be enticed by Diggs if you send out an offer to them. Uh, I mean, maybe he's a piece to kind of sweeten a bigger deal that you're trying to get done or, or maybe someone is willing to pay you in draft picks for a very deep and streamable position, uh, in which case it's almost a must that you cash out now. There will be plenty of more corners and there will almost certainly be new corners who come up with more interceptions next season because there's just so much variance in why interceptions even happen. So I'm, I'm looking to sell now with Trayvon Diggs. I think, uh, I think it's the perfect time. And I would once again mentioned selling him privately I think every league has one person, and I know I'm that person in the leagues I'm in, that has, you know, the, the manager that'll hop into the general chat of our league and be like, hold on, like, make sure you guys aren't buying this guy high because he's going to, you know, have regression. And, you know, I'm a party pooper in that way. But you can avoid people like me by <laughs> privately DMing your league mates and letting them know that, you know, Trayvon Diggs is a player that they could buy if given the right price. And that way nobody else will whisper in their ear and let them know that maybe maybe he's not going to be as good next year as he was this last year. <laughs> yeah, I like that. You got to be a little bit sneaky with trades and stuff, right? And then, yeah, like you said, the best way to do that is to just kind of have those one-on-one conversations and and block out all the outside noise and, uh, you know, the peanut gallery, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and I actually do have an honorable mention uh, sell for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's one, I mean, if you've been following the theme of what, <laughs> what we've been talking about this whole episode, it's linebacker Micah Parsons. So not every Micah Parsons manager is going to be comfortable with this one. But if someone is willing to offer you a first for him or a first plus, whatever, um, then you absolutely should be moving him. I I know I just traded him in a 12-team dynasty league for the 106 and the 207 in our rookie draft this coming coming offseason, and I'm very happy with that. Um, the, The main thing to remember is he's a linebacker, right? The sacks are awesome, sure, but they're also not something to rely on heavily, and it doesn't seem like that split role that he plays is going to change dramatically anytime soon. Uh, He was also a below-average tackler from an efficiency standpoint when he did line up as a true linebacker. Uh, Like I said before, I would have sold Devin White last year if I had him for the same thing. Linebackers are replaceable, and we shouldn't be too precious with them, especially if you can get a nice return on them. And if you have any doubts about whether or not we practice what we preach as as a fantasy analyst, I had a team just this year that had Devin White and Micah Parsons on it, sold them both at the same time, and I have not regretted that move. Um, I love what you said about his usage and the fact that he lines up on the edge a lot. As far as three down linebackers go, you're going to see much more variance for Micah Parsons than you will from other guys that see the same amount of volume on a snap basis simply because where he sees his snaps tend to be in less productive and predictable locations than where most linebackers do. So once again, I got to love this call. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice when you could capitalize on like on hype, right? And, and for somebody like Micah Parsons, I mean, the hype couldn't be higher. And yes, he's going to be a very good linebacker in the NFL for a long time. 
But as far as IDP goes, there's other guys that can produce similar numbers. And, you know, those, those I think it was, what, 13 sacks or something last season? That's going to be a tough one to replicate each and every season. And the, the week-to-week variance as well is going to be up and down. So, you know, if you can get picks for him like that or a haul, you got to be happy with it. All right, moving on to the New York football giants. Uh, I did go with a buy of a linebacker here, and I chose Blake Martinez. Um, So I will say before I even get into it that Martinez does seem destined to be uh, a cap casualty this offseason, meaning he probably won't even be on the Giants roster in 2022. But I I have no doubt that he'll be on at least a roster in 2022 and judging how the NFL values tackle production, he'll likely be a starter somewhere as well. So he's coming off uh, an ACL tear after just two games and five snaps. So he really didn't get the chance to build off of what was the highest graded graded season of his career in 2020 with the giants, where he finished with a 75.9 overall grade, 75.2 run defense grade, 73.9 coverage grade, and just a six and a half percent missed tackle rate. So he's shown that he can be a tackle machine no matter where he lands. He did average almost 150 tackles per season for the past four years prior to last year. So he's 28 years old, and I imagine that even if or when he's released by the Giants, he'll continue to be a top tier IDP asset. And the window to buy him will be now and, and even bigger if that release comes. And I think you could get him at a decent price. Yeah, I totally agree. It's rare that you'll find us recommending that you buy a linebacker, especially someone with a name as big as Blake Martinez. But yeah, his manager is probably upset, is holding him on his IR the entire season and is just kind of tired of this guy that's not producing for him. So I totally agree with the top tier linebacker production expectation that you have set for him because as he has spent time away from the game, it's certainly possible that the manager is just kind of lowering, lowering and lowering what their expectations are for him going forward. And there's even an instance where you could have a greater buy window should he get cut. And so I think uh, if you keep your ear to the ground and your eyes on Blake Martinez and maybe your DMs open to the guy that has him, there is a really great opportunity that you could be acquiring a new linebacker one for your team if you play your cards correctly. Exactly. All right. And then my sell for the New York Giants, I went with uh, safety Jabril Peppers. Uh, he's another New York Giants IDP who could be changing team this, teams this offseason uh, as he enters free agency, but he's one that I'm less confident in going forward. So right now he's our 14th ranked safety in the PFF free agency safety ranks, which is a decent barometer as to how the rest of the NFL might view him. Um He's a very limited safety as far as what he can actually do on the field. He's kind of this typical box safety in an NFL that doesn't really have a need for that archetype anymore. So he's just he's too small to be a linebacker and he's not good enough as a coverage to defender to be a dependable safety so he's likely on a path to being more of a rotational player and maybe he can get another year somewhere and be effective but as far as dynasty value he's i think he's past his peak and his stock is on the way down so sell now if you can and blame injury for 2021 and push his 91 tackles from 2020 uh, as much as you can in trade negotiations because it doesn't feel likely to happen again and there are a lot of free agent safeties 
this offseason too. So even if somebody believes that there is a great landing spot available for a free agent safety, it's not necessarily a sure thing that he's going to be the one to get it. So like you said, he might not necessarily be a hot name, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't sell him simply because he's not being sold high. Sometimes you have to sell low on guys or even just sell at 75 cents on the dollar when it means his value is only going to decrease from here on. Definitely. Yeah, it's get out as soon as you can and, and try to get what you can for him because all the signs are there for him, for that value to just continue to, to drop. Um, all right, moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I am buying defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. So Hargrave started the year off on fire. He had six sacks in the first five games of the year. People were definitely ready to crown him as better than Aaron Donald even. Um, but even in season, I, I think it was the the first in-season episode we did last year with Johnny the Greek. Uh, we warned that this production wouldn't be sustainable for the entire year. Uh, and it wasn't. Uh, he had just one and a half sacks in his next 11 games. So he continued to put up okay tackles, but the pass rush production just kind of slowed down after the first five weeks of the year. And this is kind of what makes him a buy for me, really, is that while people have got might have gotten frustrated with his production later in the year, his actual pass rush grades and pressure rate continued to be as high as they were early in the year when he when he had those uh, six sacks in five games. We just didn't see as much conversion. So we know these things tend to even themselves out over time. And for Hargrave, it was mostly a top heavy season production wise, but his level of play didn't actually diminish. And Defensive tackle is about as shallow a position in IDP that you'll find. So buying a player like Hargrave who can put up tackles and bring the pass rush upside when uh, then you're, you're really getting a thin, a, a rare talent at a thin position. So it always feels like a buy opportunity to, me, opportunity to me if anyone is down on him, especially in those DT required leagues. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Depending on the position... Talent does not necessarily correlate to production. Because at linebacker, it's really only dependent upon opportunity. And if a guy's talented or not talented, he'll still produce. But there are positions where talent is definitely correlative to production. And defensive tackle is one of those positions. So if you can find a guy like Javon Hargrave that's talented and just had a dip in production for whatever reason, I would totally hop on the board, hop on board for, for buying him simply because there's a chance that he does bounce back into higher production um, higher production abilities later on in his career. Yeah, and even as, you know, a bit of an older player too, like the defensive tackle pool is just so small that, you know, we can't be overly picky about, um, you know, a a player that's 29, 30 years old. If they're producing um, strong grades and and numbers still, we still want to try and and, and get those guys because it's so difficult to find talent at at that position. Um, And then speaking of talent or lack thereof. Um, My sell at linebacker is Alex Singleton. So he finished 12th in the league in total tackles last season. He had 137 total tackles, was one of the most efficient linebackers in the league, which was great for IDP at the time, but it's also not something that is sustainable long term. Uh, He had a 17.5% tackle rate, including the playoffs, which is insane considering that the average rate for linebackers is, like I mentioned before, kind of hovers around 12%. Add to the fact that this is a player that 
I would not consider a wartime consigliere or every down linebacker quality. He, he's graded in the 50s the, these past two seasons and been a complete liability in coverage, finishing 2021 with a 39.3 coverage grade, which ranked 86th out of 95 qualifying linebackers. Uh, for the second season in a row, he found his way into the starting lineup, not because the team necessarily wanted him there, but because they didn't have much choice. Um, injuries and lack of depth put him in a position to be great a great IDP, but he doesn't really have the pedigree to earn that job each season based on his own merits, uh, uh, unfortunate to say. So he'll hit free agency again this offseason. I think it's, he's somebody to just be wary of, especially in startups, because his point totals from last year will likely bump him up a lot of those default draft lists. And if you're still an Alex Singleton manager, then you should definitely be looking to ship him and his long, greasy hair elsewhere. His long, greasy hair. <laughs> that is a great note to end that discussion on. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's some kind of psychology that's associated with fantasy football where managers feel some sense of loyalty towards players that help them win games. Mm-hmm. But Alex Singleton, he was great. He had a great 2021, and now he's done. It's as simple as that. You have no yeah. obligation to keep rostering players after they're done producing for you in a meaningful way. So... In case you needed the encouragement to let him go, he won't be offended. He understands, and he's preoccupied with his long, greasy hair. <laughs> yeah, he's going through tons of shampoo to try to fix that. that <laughs> but yeah, like you said, like there, there is, I think, a, a certain amount of loyalty or expectation that comes with these players once they do it for like a short period of time. And it happened a lot. Like even last season when Alex Singleton, he did get benched for a period because he's not good. And, you know, even though we warned against that in during the podcast last year, during the season, people would still ask, you know, what's going on with Alex Singleton? Why isn't he getting on the field? It's it's because he's not good. We can't rely on these guys long term. And, you know, we will be thankful for what they're able to give us when when they are starters. But there's a certain amount of expectation that we, we have to have with these guys. And uh, once we see the signs are there that it's ending, we got to try and move them before it's too late. Uh, Moving on to the Washington Commanders, Uh, I am going with Edge Chase Young as my buy. I mean, I don't think this is a hot take in saying that 2021 will probably be Young's worst IDP season of the next several years, but there will be people out there that were at least scared off by it, right? So he had one and a half sacks in nine games, which is not great for a player that so many were banking on being like the DE1 for Dynasty. While 2021 was far off from, I think, what a lot of people expected, I don't think his ranking of a top DE for Dynasty really changes all that much. I, I still have him as edge four right now, uh, just behind Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, and TJ Watt. Uh, this, this was another thing that we kind of talked about in season last year, is that defensive linemen don't often hit the ground running right away in the NFL. That transition from from college to pros is particularly difficult when you consider even just the level of competition on the offensive line alone. Then you add in quarterbacks who can get rid of the ball ath- the ball quickly or, or they're super athletes who can escape the pocket with relative ease. There's almost always going to be a learning curve for the majority of D linemen uh, coming out of college. So Young was definitely a higher rated prospect than most coming out of OSU, but 
the, that doesn't mean that he would be immune to this transition, right? So all the physical and athletic tools are still there. And once it clicks for him, how to get his pass rush ability to match up with that in the NFL, he's going to be elite for a long time. So if anyone is soured on Young, basically, then I'm buying up as many shares as I can. The best way to do that is throw out some feelers right now to chase Young managers and and see where they're at. I'd bet you'd be surprised. Yeah, and one of the biggest tips I can give for managers making trades is sometimes trades have to hurt. You know, not every single trade you make is going to feel like you just totally ripped off and scammed that manager and got yourself a bargain. Even if the manager is high on Chase Young, there's still a chance that they're lower than they ought to be. And with a position like defensive end and edge rusher being as not necessarily volatile, but hard to find elite talent at as it is, and Chase Young being one of the few options and few assets that really looks like they could have a steadfast role as a top kind of edge player, man, you have to invest in something like that. And so when I talk about selling high on these top-level linebackers, what better asset to turn them into than somebody like a Chase Young who's in a position that's much more stable and much more dependent upon talent? So once again, great call here, and I am putting my chips down for players like Chase Young. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. I mean, it's definitely not going to be a, you know, he's not a buy low necessarily, but like you said, he's a buy lower than probably where he should be, right? So that that's kind of, you know, the time to try and get him. You weren't going to be able to get him last year, last off season, for example, when his hype was at an all-time high, but you might be able to get him this year after after he had kind of a down year. So I think, uh, yeah, it's a great point. I, I really want to try and see how much Chase Young shares we can get uh, this year because I think people are going to be a little bit lower on him than than they should be. And the last player on the list uh, is a sell from the Washington Commanders. I'm going with safety Landon Collins. Really kind of just a slightly better version of Jabril Peppers, in my opinion, in that he's this typical box safety that has been a liability in coverage, but he at least has some better size if a team does want to give him some run at linebacker. Uh, I think he's a very likely cut candidate this offseason. Uh, the commanders will save over $9 million before June 1st and nearly $13 million after June 1st if they release him. So, yeah, again, his tra- his transition to a part-time player had already begun a bit last season with a few games of him playing below 60% of snaps and the team not asking him to do much more than play up closer to the line of scrimmage. That is nice for IDP, but it's not a sustainable role long-term for today's NFL. So my biggest concern with Collins is that he will be just a part-time linebacker when he inevitably ends up somewhere else. But I'd be willing to sell him at any chance I get based on his name and past IDP success because we may never see those days from him again. Couldn't agree more. Just because you're selling low on something does not mean you should not be selling. And I would even throw in, you know, potential optimism for Cameron Curl. Maybe seeing increased work should Landon Collins be cut. That's a guy I have soft spot in my heart for as well, just due to what he did for me in 2020. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Curl's another good one. So he was the other guy that I considered on Washington as, as my buy. It was him and Chase Young. Thought about Jamin Davis too, but I, I'm not as crazy about Jamin Davis. So I think, yeah, as far as the Washington guys go, I think Chase Young and Cameron Curl are the two that I like the most. Um, maybe Cole Holcomb too. Um, as a as a pretty cheap option at linebacker. But uh, again, I don't want to pay too much for linebackers, like we said a lot in this episode. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But, uh, yeah. But that's it, Evan. Um, man, I, I, I thank you for coming on and bringing the fire. As usual, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I can't wait to have you back again sometime. Keep it Keep crushing it out there in the fantasy world. I know I'll be excited to follow whatever you're working on. And speaking of, let the good people know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, absolutely. And and we talked about a lot of hot button names on today's episode, and it can be difficult to, you know, com- confidently and comfortably make transactions based upon those big moves. And so if you guys have questions about that, you guys can shoot me a DM on Twitter at BGTEvan or on Instagram at Big Game Theory, and I have too much free time, and I will respond to you in spite (laughs) of the fact that it's probably not good for my mental health. So shoot me as many messages as you like. I had somebody mention me to say, hey, I'm sorry I keep messaging you, and I'm like, no, man, like, keep it going. This is football. I love talking about football. So shoot me a message, and then in the coming months, I'll be doing a couple off-season episodes of the Big Game Theory podcast, and then once we get in-season, I'll have a new format for my podcast that... I'm hoping listeners are very excited about. Nice. I can't wait to see that. And yeah, thank you again. Uh, And thanks to everyone for listening. Once again, I have been John Macri. You can find me at PFF underscore Macri on the Twitter and all my work on PFF.com. I've started my 2022 articles already. So you can find my IDP Dynasty rankings for free, as well as my top 10 linebackers to target and avoid in Dynasty, all on PFF.com with plenty more to come throughout the offseason. And so please check out those if you can. That would mean a lot to me. Next week, the moving and the shaking continues into the AFC with my guy Jace Abbey from IDPGuys.org and DLF. So until next time, IDP's out.